This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. And this podcast is all about that. My guest on the podcast this week is Thomas Ratia, co-founder and CEO of Phrase. Me and my partner were wondering how how will AI kind of like change the way people write and research. And we came up with an idea that was called uh, an AI research assistant. And that would be some kind of like AI agent that can understand the writer and essentially try to like build on the knowledge of like the continuous understanding of someone writing and use that knowledge to do research and help the writer kind of like augment their their research capacity. That whole process of like having to like sort through results, click on all the results and then go through all these tabs and then go back to the word processor. That's what I consider to be one of the most inefficient processes on the internet. One of the main problems we try to solve, which is cutting down the research process so that people can can focus on on the creative and strategic side of, of writing. Some of these people don't even use Google anymore. The idea of having research and writing in one place seems to be very valuable for the type of user who is actually making a living out of out of producing unique content, which is a big market. This is Thomas. He's the co-founder and CEO of Phrase, a Boston-based AI startup with a big mission to help you research faster. Thomas did his master at Harvard and became very interested in publishing and research. And as an outcome of the Harvard Innovation Lab, he founded Folio, a digital publishing platform for open access academic journals, which he ran for two years. After that, he founded Dead Ventures, a soft landing accelerator program for international startups aiming to break into the US. His passion for research and technology drove him to establish another startup around the big idea to transform the way people write and research. This was the start of Phrase. And the story behind Phrase intrigued me, as this could fundamentally change the way marketers from all around the world approach their digital content strategy. Hence, I invited him to my podcast. And during our interview, we explored the big idea behind Phrase. More importantly, what is required to deliver remarkable impact and arrive at a product that has the potential to transform an entire industry. By listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, in order to deliver products with remarkable impact, what do you prioritize? Secondly, on that journey, what are some of the biggest challenges to anticipate? And thirdly, 
why engaging with the market prior to launching your product is key to success. So, to get the podcast started, Thomas, can you introduce yourself and give the audience a little background about what you've been doing and where you come from? Sure. So, well, as I said, I'm from, I'm from Spain, but I've been in Boston for about 10 years now. And I first came here to study. I started uh, working in finance for just a few months before I got into, into the whole startup world. And I also, so after my undergrad, I did actually a master's in public health. At, at Harvard in, in the Boston area. And back then I, I became very interested while doing my, my grad school in, in the um, academic publishing space from a technology perspective. And I actually built a company for about two years that was a publishing platform for academics. So that was trying to connect uh, academia and the public. And the platform itself, the company eventually had to close because it was really tough to get academics to change their their ways. It's a very traditional uh, sector in, in terms of like their workflows and the way they work. Yeah, but there was one piece of that platform that we built that became kind of my hobby for a few years, which is the, the word processor. So that platform had, it was like a publishing tool, almost like a CMS for academics. And essentially, once that when that company closed, me and my partner were wondering how how will AI kind of like change the way people write and research? And okay. we came up with an idea that was called uh, an AI research assistant. And that would be some kind of like AI agent that can understand the writer and essentially try to like build on the knowledge of like the continuous understanding of someone writing and use that knowledge to do research and help the, the writer kind of like augment their their research capacity. So that became a hobby for a few years. Then it was, I started another, another company called That Ventures and that was a company also based in Boston was helping European startups come to the Boston area. And that was great. I was doing that for about three years. And then I kind of wanted to go back to building my own product because that, that was a service. So I founded a phrase by the end of 2016 and we raise, uh, we've raised two rounds of, of seed capital right now. We are six, six people in Boston, just me and five engineers. So we're very focused on, on product. And we're kind of turning that idea of an AI research assistant into, into reality. So right now working with all types of writers from, from journalists to academics to a lot of content marketing people. So a lot of freelance writers and, and, and marketeers who are more and more wanting to produce long-form content. Yep. Well, that's kind of, we, we found that content marketing is probably a sweet spot for the product, but uh, generally speaking, trying to, trying to change the way people write and research uh, on the internet. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Because what, what did you see as the big problem? Why is, why is there a market for this particular product? Yeah, so the problem that most people click with is that, so let, let's, let's put yourself in the shoes of a, of a writer. When I say writer nowadays, the, the idea of writer has changed. I mean, it's not anymore as the traditional writer in terms of someone who is, you know, someone who studied uh, maybe like English and is like a really good writer. But nowadays, many people are writers going from people who write on uh, write on LinkedIn or or people who are trying to like build their personal brands and uh, bloggers. Like the concept of writer has really expanded because of digital 
digital marketing, right? So now a lot of people are wanting to become better writers. So most people, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is kind of one of our main hypotheses that is kind of validated at this point, but is that most people, when they do research, they will essentially go to Google and let's say you're going to write a piece about, I don't know, let's say blockchain. So most people will go to a search engine, Google being the, the main one, and they will probably search, you know, let's say trends about blockchain, for example. And then they will get a list of results. And the, what I call the traditional search engine, what it gives you is a list, a list of links, right? Where, where you have pages. And in, the, in page number one, 20% uh, of the results are going to be advertising. Probably 40% of the results are going to be home pages, meaning, if, for example, if you look for blockchain, you will get a, quite a few of the results will be home pages. And those are not really great for research because you are really looking for more like article type of results that are really going to lead to like richer ideas and research. So anyways, people will go through these results and they will end up opening a bunch of links. And, and the picture in your browser is going to be like maybe 10 tabs open at the same time. So that, that's kind of the first step. You're going through Google results and opening a bunch of different links. And then you're going to go through each of those links and you are going to be probably copy and pasting ideas and then pasting them into a word processor. For example, into Google Doc or Microsoft Word or whatever you use. But you're likely going to be through that workflow of like opening results from Google go into to each of these results and then kind of like compiling ideas from those results. And eventually you have some kind of outline in a Google Doc or a Microsoft Word document. So that, that whole process of like having to like sort through results, click on all the results and then go through all these tabs and then go back to the word processor. That's what I consider to be one of the most inefficient processes on the internet. Exactly. Uh, I, can, I can tell you from my own experience. I mean, your example about blockchain is like spot on because I did a, a project for one of my clients about creating the value proposition for a blockchain yep. application development platform. And this is exactly what I was doing. Yep. It takes hours, days, uh, and then you, f you constantly feel that you are you're missing something. Have you got everything that you need? Yep. So that's the other aspect of it. Sure. So, so yeah. So, for example, from a, to give you a sense, because we're starting now to kind of measure measure how much time uh, these people are spending doing. So that usually, in average, I mean, and this is based on probably ten writers uh, data from ten writers. Usually, a writer will use about six hours to create a, a piece of content, and out okay. of those six hours, four hours are spent on research, and two hours are spent on on, on creative writing. Exactly. Well, what we're trying to do is that if you look at those four, four hours, about, about two hours of those are spent on what we're calling background research, meaning kind of like this process where you're trying to get like a baseline understanding of the topic. And that's the process where you have to go to a bunch of tabs open, uh, kind of like copy paste ideas, build an outline out of existing knowledge. And then there is a second type of research, which is kind of like, okay, once I have the baseline, I'm kind of like drilling down some specific ideas. So that process is four hours. And we're seeing that with our approach, which is kind of having uh, this idea of, a, of like a research process embedded in your word processor, we're seeing a significant reduction of time spent on, on the background research stage. Exactly. That's, I guess that's the problem. And then 
I guess we can talk more about how the details of how we do it, but that will be the, the one of the main problems we try to solve, which is cutting down the research process so that people can, can focus on, on the creative and strategic side of, of writing. Exactly. So what is the opportunity if you get it right? You know, if this, if I start or someone else, a professional writer, a journalist, started, starts to use this, uh, this technology, how will, how will that improve uh, his or her life? or her uh, yeah, work? So, uh, so I have some pretty, we're actually working on publishing at some point soon, uh, some case studies. I mean, it's really early for us and we are still, we're working with uh, just a little bit over a hundred users right now. So it's pretty early, but some of the kind of, some of the statements we're getting from certain power, we have users who are using phrase about three to four hours per day. So okay. the type of feedback we get from them is, is very intimate because it's becoming their daily, their daily, research and writing tool. So we've gotten quotes like some of these people don't even use Google anymore. And that's obviously a, a big deal. And that, that goes to the point of saying, I think there is a, an opportunity to build a search engine that is exclusively focused on pulling sources from, from publishers. And when I say this is, you know, a search engine like Google will, will becomes really good for like, kind of like really direct questions, like fact-based questions. Like, you know, where, where should I have dinner tonight? What are the restaurants here? You know, like really general questions. It's obviously the best because it's the biggest index out there. Sure. But it seems like writers, the type of content they care about is really long form content. And so that means that, what, like I said before, a search engine must for writers should be focusing on pulling only articles versus, versus home pages and company pages and obviously advertising. But I think that it can, it's really, based on the feedback we're getting, it seems like it can really change the research workflow, which is a big thing because, I mean, the, the internet is mostly people use it for, like, research and in many cases for publishing new stuff. So, like, the idea of having research and writing in one place seems to be very valuable for the type of user who is actually making a living out of, out of producing unique content, which is yep. increasingly a big market. And as he said, the initial, the low hanging fruit for us is content marketing. So content marketing right now, it's, it's mostly done with freelance writers being hired by companies. So it's, it's an interesting market because we are actually not going for, for B2B. So we're not trying to sell this product to, to companies at large. We are more focused on the individual writers who are being hired by companies to create content. So you might have a writer who is working for 10 different companies and his challenge is that every day he needs to do research about a different topic. Exactly. So if you are cutting down that research time significantly, I think you're really helping the, the daily workflow of all these people who are being asked to produce content every single day. Yeah, and I think it will also add to the quality because uh, what I've already seen by, by doing a couple of tests with your product, it comes up with, with better, better results than the Google itself because it, it learns from what you're looking for anyway. I mean, so I don't think I actually described what the product actually does, but uh, in detail, uh, let, let me give you a, so quickly. So what, what Phrase is doing right now is, so first of all, we have a search engine. What that, the difference between us and, and other ones is that, well, first, as I said, we focus on only, only giving you articles versus homepages and so forth. And then what we also do unique to our product is that we do summarization. So yeah. let's say you write, you want to research about blockchain, you're going to get instead of getting 10, 10 links about blockchain, you're going to be getting 10 summaries from 
publishers that have said something relevant about blockchain. So summarization is a big is a big thing for us. And then if you're in the context of actually writing something, the idea is that in the same interface, you are going to have just just so people visualize this. Let's say on the left side you have your your editor, so your writing tool, and on the right side there is like a like a panel that essentially is continuously pulling sources as you as you as you write. So when you start, there is just a baseline topic, which is the theme of your document, and you will use that as a, as a starting point. But then as you continue to write, those results update, and you get into this flow of being able to write and research in one place yeah. versus having to go into like kind of like back and forth between browser and processor. So that's kind of the core of it. Yeah, I like that. And what I also, uh, I picked up a quote, I think it was from you on your website. Today, every company wants to be a thought leader and there's no workaround. So if you want to grow into a leader, you have to read and write widely. And that's, I think, summarizing it quite nicely. So you said this started one and a half years ago, correct? Yeah, company is about a year and a half old. Yeah, so from the aha moment where you where you found your big idea to the moment where you were releasing or at, at least at least getting it out to uh, to an early public, can you explain that process a little bit and, and what did you learn from this? Sure. Yeah. So the 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 idea started actually quite a few years back when I said I, I started that other publishing company and it actually the idea started there, but we it took us a really long time to develop it. I mean, it's the type of idea that. It's actually, I think it's powerful because it's very, it's kind of simple to explain the idea that you can write and research in one interface. So the, the concept is kind of simple, but the implementation of it is, is very complex. And it's required a, a, a lot of research on the, more on like the kind of like the NLP side. So being able to understand language and, and understand intent and identify topics and all that. So there's been a lot of heavy investment in in research i mean all of our investment has gone to to research uh, mostly and then one once we had that that research piece done which is very it's a very important it's a big issue for startups nowadays because hiring you know data scientists are very expensive in the market because all the big companies are trying, are wanting to hire data scientists they're in, in high demand and there is a shortage of them so one of the challenges that we have to overcome is we need to be able to get a lot of investment early on for a company that is totally pre-revenue and probably pre-product. So one of the challenges with AI companies sometimes is that how can you be even try to build this technology and convince investors when you don't have anything and, and you need so many resources, not only in people, but also on servers. So working on this technology requires a lot of computation. So having those financial resources early on is totally needed. And sometimes investors want to see out of traction and, and, and this type of company is for investors who are kind of betting on the, on the research side of things too. So there are many things we do are uncertain and we don't know if they want to work. So that was definitely a challenge at the beginning. So when, once we had a, an initial prototype, I essentially demoed the prototype. I remember, I think I demoed maybe to a hundred people. So I had like a, a, maybe like five or six different personas uh, going from, uh, journalists to content marketeers, even financial analysts. So essentially any individual who was dealing every day with a lot of information to digest and then also information to, to publish or write out of that research. So after going through that process, we realized that content marketing was the vertical where research productivity could 
directly impact the bottom line because these people are, they have to produce high quality content and they have to do it consistently. And many companies nowadays rely on inbound marketing as, as their main sales engine. So being able to produce high quality content seems to have a direct impact in, in, in a company's revenue too. Absolutely. So that was a bit of a process. So we approached a lot of people eventually focused on content marketing and then now currently focused on a very small group of people and working very close with them, making sure they love it and still going through, I'm still going through that kind of like continuous change. We change, we make platform updates almost as on a daily basis to give you an idea of the, of the degree of iteration. Yeah, that, that brings me to another question. Because once you start with a product like that, of course, the idea grows. And you, what you want, and that's also uh, what I like on your website, you, you are building phrase to make the whole process of writing and research remarkable, as you say. Dear to my heart, by the way. But so what did you say no to in that whole process to, to ensure that what you deliver is remarkable? Yeah, so that's a good question. Because one of the challenges with a startup is many times being able to focus. And I, for example, I can give you a few cases where I had to say no, although the, for example, big company comes to us, big consultant firm, I, mean, I won't give names, but big consulting firm, obviously large companies have a major challenge dealing with documents and any big company is likely dealing with a situation where they have a bunch of documents spread across databases and, and, and knowledge management becomes a challenge. So I've been having a few meetings where I, I got very tempting kind of like opportunities that, that would require kind of like building phrase kind of like on-premise and, and with custom features for, for certain companies. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that situation came up frequently, and, but we realized that by doing that, we're kind of like leaving our core mission of helping the individual create content, which is where I see kind of like a transformative uh, potential of this is that we need to be very focused on the content creator. And by saying no to these bigger opportunities, and kind of like choosing to focus on the individuals, and we're seeing a really, really high engagement with users. And I want to do enterprise down the line, but that that, that was definitely a, a situation of like having to choose whether I wanted to keep focusing on the on the little guys and working with individuals, or I wanted to build phrase purely as an enterprise kind of like knowledge management tool. And that was a choice we made. So I guess that was one situation where we had to say no. We constantly get a lot of users asking for certain features and 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 being such a small team where where about half of my team is focused on research alone. So every time we get new feature requests, there has to be a whole process to like really figure out if we want to do it or not. One very common request is integrations. So uh, people may want to have phrase integrated with their Google Drive, which is already done, but people are asking us to integrate phrase. I don't know, with Evernote or with uh, Microsoft Cloud or with yeah. all these, you know, possible integrations. So it's always, um, you know, a, a thought process to go with, through, like taking this feedback and, and kind of like understanding what, what is truly needed and what can be done later. So that's also a situation where we say no a lot. And then uh, vertical. So like phrase could put, for example, phrase for finance, right? Phrase for finance, phrase for law phrase for biotech, these are all real opportunities that, that have come up. And this means that 
sometimes I will go into a meeting and and it's maybe with a let's say with a hedge fund, and a hedge fund is also dealing with this problem of kind of like they have analysts who are every single day going through information, and they have to like write reports uh, using research from this uh, information. So that that would be a valid use case where summarization can can be useful and and productivity can add value. So so far we've decided to focus on on content marketing, but it's always tempting to like see all these other verticals that. Sure. I'm hoping we can go into in the future, but again, we we had to focus on something, and it's definitely tempting sometimes to go to want to go to other verticals, but we have to we have to start somewhere. Yeah, and I think you're making the right choices here. And you talked about the aim to deliver transformative impact. That's what it's about. You know, with the technology that's available these days, it is possible to deliver this 10x impact. And with all the questions that you get, you are you're very it's very easy to get dragged into the 10 percent in improvements there. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting uh, dilemma that a lot of product managers in, in software companies, of course, always have. Mm-hmm. So talking about where you are right now, what are you most proud of achieving so far? Well, I think I'm build, you know, we're building. So at this point, I'm, I'm kind of, I've pretty much become friends with a group of about, I mean, you have, I think I said I have about a little bit over 100 users. And this is totally in a very controlled way. We try to like limit the way of people we get in. We're still in that phase of understanding the, the user a lot. But I've become very close to about 10 of them, I would say. Mm-hmm. So at this point, they really become friends because I've been working with them for, for a few months now. Yeah. And, and the really good thing about becoming friends, literally becoming friends with these users, some of them customers who pay, I mean, our initial plan is, is 50 bucks a month, which... I mean, for someone who makes a living out of writing and research, it's it's trivial. So, I'm becoming really close to these to these to these users, and and some of them, the feedback from some of them is really, I mean, like like I said, some people are telling me they don't use Google anymore, and they and they don't use Google anymore because they are they are kind of building this hyper focused environment where they can have everything they care about in one place versus being all over the place, and essentially. You know, when someone is spending three hours a day using your product, these are people who are professional, you know, they're professionals in their field. So having people spend that much time on your product, that's what makes me more proud of because that means that, you know, they're seeing value. And one major, major challenge we continue to have is, is UX. So how to build everything we're building in a way that is easy to use and and that's why we're still making a continuous changes to the to the product in terms of how it's being used. Uh-huh. But I guess I'm very proud of having people who are very busy people and they're spending so much time in the product. And that just gives me, you know, gives me hope that that once everything is stable and and proven and validated, we can then go to a bigger market and and, and be sure we have something that is valuable. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah, creating that new norm, I would say. If you would give an advice to other ISVs out there in the marketplace who are thinking or well, think about, about their next big steps, what advice would you give them based on what you've learned so far? So I would say that the relationship with, with your users I mean, or, or customers, it's, like, it's something that sometimes people don't realize how important talking to your customers is. And, and I feel like sometimes people focus a lot on the on developing, you know, I mean, these kind of basics of you shouldn't be developing a stuff that is not proven. I mean, that's kind of lean startup, however you want to call it, thinking. But 
in general, to me, what really makes a difference is being able to talk to my to my customers on an ongoing basis. Uh, that's that's what really makes me excited and and helps me build the product better. I think that doing that and 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 having the ability to to make to make changes and improvements quickly is very important. So some, especially some business people, what, what they tend to do is they will have an idea and then they will, they will either outsource the technical team or, or they might not be so close to the, to the nitty gritty of how the product is getting built. In my case, I'm also, I mean, I'm also a programmer. So all the, most of the UI in, in phrase is built my, by myself. That has pros and cons. The cons is that I, I, I spend a lot of time working on the product that maybe sometimes is not healthy because I should be talking more to customers. But the big advantage of this is that many times I will have a, a call with a user and they will tell me, hey, I, wa- I would like this button to be here or I would like this little feature and I can very quickly do it myself and then literally the day after I can go to this user and say, hey, here it is, it's done. So when, you, when, when a user sees the really quick turnout from feedback to reality, I think it's really important to to really speed that up. So if you can build a team that is really able to respond very, very quickly to this user feedback, that's great. Sometimes companies fail in the trap of having these kind of super long roadmaps where any new little things kind of like messes the whole thing up. So I think it's important to be able to quickly respond to to feedback. That that's been that's proven to be a great way to, to impress to impress customers. That's pretty much a way to get them because when you go to a company and you ask the company, hey, build this for me, and then the day after it's built, that's just the incredible experience for the user. So that's when that's I think loyalty. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I come from such a background, you know, in the ERP space uh, in, the, in the old days, it was releases every two years. So yeah. I know what you mean. So what's next for you? Where do you, what is your next big milestone? Yeah, so so right now we are in in a process of converting. I mean, obviously, I mean, I talked about that kind of like user customer success and all these things, and it's obviously also from a business perspective, we are now starting to to, to get our first page users, and we're going for 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 a price that is going to be between forty and fifty bucks a month, and we already have a few subscribers, and the idea is to like grow that a little bit to a point where we are kind of like confident that we we have a market fit. And that number doesn't need to be big. I mean, it's more, I mean, the story to tell for us right now is not about revenue growth. It's more about validation that there is a problem there and, and, and this is the persona and these are the people who are willing to pay this monthly fee. So we are, I would say we are like about maybe like 40% into that milestone. And I'm hoping to like be done with a milestone probably in a couple of months. And then what's going to happen is that we are going to start working with uh, channel partnerships. So our, our idea in terms of go-to-market is, I mean, I obviously don't want to go door by door asking writers to join. That That's not scalable. But my approach is to find channels that can essentially lead us to like pools of, of, of writers. And yeah. channels are everything from from, from marketing agencies, other platforms that could be complementary. For example, I don't know, things like Medium comes to mind. Medium, a, a really big platform for writers. Right now, you can you can 
write on phrase and publish into Medium. So why not? Something like Medium could be a really interesting channel for us to get writers. Uh, LinkedIn could be an interesting channel. Other writing tools like Grammarly, which has become the leader in terms of like a grammar check and, and, and style. I mean, they have millions of, of users. So the next step will really be figuring out how to grow with, with channels. And, and that's when I'm the go-to-market approach, probably for the second half of the year, will be mostly focused on, on partnerships. Scaling, yeah, exactly. So if there's anything you would like to ask the audience, what would it be? How could they help you? The audience? Well, I mean, if there's, if there's someone out there in the audience who is kind of like caring about how... So you said that the audience seems to be probably business people and, and most most CEOs and, and kind of like C-level people, many times they really want to get into, into content creation, content marketing, but it's uh, kind of like they don't feel like they're writers or they are kind of like scared about the idea of like kind of like building a content program. And what I see a lot is that most companies will go to agencies and that's fine. That, that, that's what still want to happen. But I think it's very important to ask yourself as a business leader whether you want to be hiring. Uh, I've seen here in Boston, for example, a lot, of, a lot of VP of content. That's a position that is, is now kind of like popping up here. Yeah. So I would ask them, like, you know, do you think your company should be taking content more seriously? And do you think that that is worth kind of like building a whole team around it versus outsourcing it? I think more and more companies are going to be growing their own their own content in-house. And that's going to be an impact on their brand. Because like sometimes content doesn't, content is essentially building your brand. And in a world where there is so much content being produced. If you want to really build a brand around content, you need to invest, you really need to invest in, in high quality content. So I guess that's one question for the audience is like, how much importance are you putting in into creating content? And how are you helping your team do that with the right tools? I think that's something, something you know, that any, any business leader should be looking at, at, at how, what's the best way to approach content creation and and, and, and how is your brand being impacted by, by high-quality content and, and thought leadership? Perfect, yeah. I agree. Because that's what it's all about these days, to be, uh, to be noticed. Thank you very much for your uh, inspiring contribution to this podcast. And uh, I like your big idea. And I'm, I'm going to be very likely a, a customer of your platform uh, myself. So it's... Awesome. Sounds, sounds great. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for your time. And... You know, if anyone is curious to learn more, you can just visit phrase.io. And as soon as you visit the website, I pop up in a chat, which, by the way, now that I say this, along with content marketing, conversational marketing is also getting really, really big. That's why when you go into phrase.io, the first thing you see is, is my face and you can talk to me directly on the website. So anyone wanting to learn more or talk to me can easily go on the website and just start a, start a conversation with me. I think that sums it up quite nicely. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. All right, Tom. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye, Thomas. And for everybody else that's listening, thank you for tuning in to this podcast today. I had the honor to speak to Thomas Ratia, co-founder and CEO of Phrase. And as just mentioned by Thomas, the best way to connect with him is simply by connecting directly via their website in their chat at phrase.io. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, 
rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.